it's just the case that like her hand brushed my scrotum like several times. And she sort of did the same thing. Like when I was on, on my back, like she like came way up, way up there. And it just felt like if I sort of like leaned over, like, How I don't you know. Lean? Aren't you lying on your back? Uh... Hello, and welcome to Your Mileage May Vary. We talk about sex and relationships with frankness that is controversial, but usually in good faith. I'm Keith. My co-host is Mike. And for what seems like the first time in a long while, we're recording together. Let's see if we still have the touch, Mike. Yeah, I think we do. We'll see. Yeah. So I enjoyed the last episode. It was a solo episode with with obviously just you. Uh, but you I enjoyed it. It was excellent. Yeah, I enjoyed it so much that I am Ooh. now confused about whether we should change formats. Really? Go on. Like, I mean, do we should we even talk about sex anymore? Maybe we should just yeah. talk about our our personal issues. No, no, we can talk about sex. I, we, you know, we can broaden it out a little bit. But <laughs> um, I don't want to disappoint our loyal listenership that is looking for where 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 the cream pie should go and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Raunchiness has always been yes a, a big seller. All right, fine. But I, I mean, I would be remiss if I don't ask you some questions about your. Uh, yeah, you sent me a set of questions. You 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 seemed inclined to interrogate me. I have, I have nothing to hide. Like let's let's go let's get it on. Okay, so uh, would you like me to summarize what what you revealed? In sure. Okay. Uh, maybe I should. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It'll be interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you revealed that for some amount of time you have been taking. Uh, some small dosage, low dosage SSRI, and that uh, sometime in the last month or so, the prescription expired or something, or for some reason you... It was longer ago than that. It was like six months ago, but go on. Okay. All right. So you were, you you got off the, the med and you had a reaction to not being on the med that sort of surprised you in its intensity. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, um, one of your criticisms, you asked me why we hadn't discussed that before. And I mean, aside from the fact, like, you know, nobody's obliged to discuss with somebody their medical history. Of course. Uh, I think the, I think the (laughs) real reason. But we talk about many things, but yeah. Sure. sure. You posited that maybe I was embarrassed. I don't, maybe it's possible. Uh, I'm not saying that's not right, but I think really, and this is why I wasn't concerned when I ran out. And the reason I ran out was I was just irresponsible. I, uh, because of COVID, I didn't like have my regular appointments with my doctor. And so it was just like, oh, you know, and I just figured it, it's, yeah. So I, I really didn't think it was doing anything. And so I didn't think it was a notable thing. And so you say, why were you taking it? Oh, I don't know. It was a really low. It was like one eighth the adult typical dose. Uh-huh. And so I was like, you know, uh, but then what I learned, uh, yeah, there were some things that seemed to do. Like, for example, I found that like the day after I would take that, uh, there were certain things I found I was better at, like playing the piano, I would do better. Right after the, this is not that interesting, but like so, so there was something it was doing, but I thought it wasn't very being very very impactful. As I've learned subsequently, like that's actually totally wrong. In <laughs> fact, like it's really common for people to have a really low dosage of these things that like prevents resumption of of symptoms, and actually that can be a really nice thing because. And I know you have questions about this, but like there are various side effects of these medications that like you don't really get. But I can speak to some of them, so I think you had some questions on that. Uh, some more yeah. questions. Yeah. So. Well, okay. I have a couple other questions around the stopping taking them yeah 
accidentally, basically. Have you ever had a intermission in them before? No. Okay. And that okay. was since 2006. Okay. So that explains why this was such a surprise or why, yeah, you'd basically yeah. forgotten what it was like to not be on them or I your, thought, bo- your I mean, body had forgotten anyway. I think it's a little bit like, you know, if you watch Law & Order, there's like this standard thing on Law & Order where there's like somebody who's schizophrenic and they go off their meds and start like talking right. to Zulu or whatever, yeah. like, because they think they're better. And I think that's, it's just that simple. Like I thought, oh yeah, this isn't doing anything. I've been feeling fine for a really long time. Like it's really long time. And so I was like, oh, this is cool. And like, no, yeah, it was an interesting experience in that regard. Can you explain the way you felt when you were off them? Yeah, it's basically just that uh, what I find is that, and I think this is how it is for normal people, uh, that there's some sort of upper limit, unless you're like being chased by a bear you know, uh, you get lost in the French catacomb, the Parisian catacombs without a light. And so you're like, uh-huh. you're really going to die. Like in that situation, I think anybody would freak out and panic. Yeah. Uh, but for someone with what I have, like without any medication that can, like, I can get to that level of just craziness sometimes without, without any such stimulus. And, and even with this tiny dosage, like there was just some sort of limit if I was like just, you know, in an ordinary situation of how anybody feels anxiety sometimes just randomly and that's just normal, but like there was some limit. And so I would say it made me much more normal in that regard that like there was some limit Okay. that yes, if I was chased by a bear, I would freak out and do the same thing anybody would, but like, I want to freak out in that case. Exactly. So it was actually really good. Like it was basically doing what it's supposed to do is like sort of cut out that, like some, there's some, you know, problem in my brain that makes it so like there's a level of, uh, experience that's possible. Okay. So, uh, yeah. All right. So to be clear, uh, yeah, basically the problem that you're trying to address is some sort of, uh, increased anxiety and, uh, you found that, that this, uh, increased anxiety returned in a way and yeah, with unexpected intensity when you went off the SSRI. Yeah. And I can be more specific about what exactly happened. So I was feeling, I was, I was feeling somewhat anxious but I was like, oh, this is still manageable. And then I, <laughs> I was doing one of the things, the, one of the crazy, and, and uh, people have since chastised me for all sorts of things, including this, uh, things that you and I do, which is to not uh, to do alternate daily fasting, so to yes. not eat half the time. Yeah. And I had been doing this, uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I feel a little bit bad. And then I, I have some orange trees in my yard, and I picked like six oranges and I squeezed them. And I had an entire glass of fresh squeezed orange juice. Like and on was, one of your fast days? Yes. And I was sitting oh, on boy. A, I was in the bathroom doing <laughs> yeah. my business and I just went insane. And huh. I'm sure it was because of the blood sugar. I'm sure that's yeah. what triggered it. So it was, yeah. yeah. And I just, I like, I, yeah, I just, I just like, I just was like, oh wow, this is not good. This is a sensation I haven't had in many years. Yeah. And then once that happens, like it becomes this whole BS of like having to cope with it. I mean, I, I can sort of trivialize, but like I couldn't sleep that night. I had trouble sleeping the next night. Right. I, uh, this the following day, I did fifty thousand steps of exercise. Like I ran yep. probably twenty miles or twenty five miles, trying to just sort of like get the adrenaline out of my system, and it just doesn't work. Like it's you yeah, know, like you try to do that stuff, and like ultimately, I was like, uh, I was one once I was sort of in a place where I could reflect on it better. I was like, okay, this is obviously what's going on, so I've got to deal with this. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I've only once had. Uh, anything even close to an anxiety attack or panic attack. I don't even know what to call it, but it was, uh, I took an edible that I got 
this was before it was legal in California. And I got it from a friend and he was a big pothead. And I, I've, at that time, I think I'd smoked weed like twice in my life or something. And I, I don't think I'd ever had an edible. And so I took this edible and I was uh, camping with my then girlfriend and I just, yeah, just everything felt like some sort of, yeah, I just felt this like incredible anxiety and yeah, I, I was able to intellectualize it while it was occurring. I was like, okay, I'm the way I'm feeling is irrational and unreasonable, but I was unable to make it stop. Was it similar in your case or? It, it, yeah, it's similar. Although if you, if you, if, if it's, if you can attach it to like taking pot, say, you know, it's going to wear off, you know, it has some sort of half-life. Yes, it's wear yes, off. yes. It's much more distressing when it just like continues and you can't sleep and it's the next day. And yeah, so this, that's, that's the problem is you're kind of like, okay, this, you know, a lot of the therapy based approaches to this problem focus on, oh, you know, it la- they typically last only like 10 minutes and that's true. But the thing that can happen, like an individual episode will last so long, but they can come in waves and it can just keep going and going and going. And then you're, yeah, I mean, you, you, it's difficult to stop it. You don't have a substance you've taken that's going to clear out of your system and then you're going to feel better. Like that doesn't necessarily happen. Uh-huh. And, um, and look, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty terrible disorder. Like you do. I mean, there are people that like will have these sort of rolling panic attacks for periods of time and then like commit suicide. I mean, it's like a problem. So it's not great. Like you want to address it. Right. Yeah. Okay. That and the lifestyle things. I mean, there are things like you can exercise, you can avoid drinking glasses of orange juice right after you've um, <laughs> uh, been fasting. Um, yeah, you can control your diet. There are things, of course, there are like behavioral things you can do. But for a lot of people, like it's just, yeah, there's basically, you, there's just something wrong in your brain. And you have yeah, to treat I don't, it. I mean, I don't need to put up guardrails like that. I've, yeah, I've never had a, I guess, sober anxiety attack. If If I did, I would probably do whatever I could to figure out how to avoid it, including right. taking well, and low dosage I mean, the, drugs. The problem is that there's a, I mean, there's a disorder, which is very common, uh, called agoraphobia. I probably mentioned this last week where mm-hmm. people like start, cause the thing is when you have one, you're going, your brain naturally is going to say, well, what, you know, it's going to look for a cause If the causes that you took a drug. Well, great. Then maybe you don't take that drug anymore. But uh, if the if, but let's say there is no cause and you're in uh, a really common one is driving c- your car uh, right. and then people get afraid to drive their car. Okay. And then maybe they have one and they're in a park and they're like, oh, I'm afraid of parks. And so people wind up bed bound, right. wind up stuck in their house. Agoraphobia literally means like afraid to go outside, right? Right. Right. And so that, that absolutely happens to people. And um, yeah. And so that's why like my opinion about this is people should go to a doctor and treat it. Uh, because the thing is like the, the, uh, yeah, I mean, as I learned very clearly, like the, uh, uh, even, yeah, I mean, you, I don't, you wouldn't start on a low dosage, but you can get to a point where you can maintain on, on a dosage of these things that doesn't, I, I didn't even think it was doing anything. It obviously was. And so that's great. Like, you're like, oh, this is great. Like I'm, yeah. And then you're just having a normal life, which is great. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I strongly agree that. <laughs> To the extent that it's controllable, people should do whatever they can to control it. I can't yeah, imagine I'm, how incapacitating it would be to like, right. have to worry about this occurring even some small fraction of the time. Right. I mentioned that. the the I, Yeah, I, I would advocate strongly for there, – there are a lot of people who 
advocate against medication and will say, yeah. oh, you can just do behavioral therapy and stuff like that. And that works for some people. And that's great if it does, but <laughs> there are people it doesn't work for. And so yeah. it's like, yeah, you, you know, and, and also like if you're somebody who's concerned about this and you are reading about people who advocate alternate approaches, always ask yourself like, well, are they selling you something? Because they usually are. They're selling a book or a video or a course. And it's like, right. they're, they're, they're trying to scare you so they can sell you. I mean, they, or at least you should consider that possibility. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Like my understanding about um, depression and anxiety disorders are, is that, yeah, they're sort of long been two well-known treatments. One is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Some people have success with that. And then the other is various drugs, SSRIs or benzos or whatever. They, maybe there's some other suite. And more recently, uh, there's been some encouraging research around various psychedelics. Um, we could talk about that now, or do you want to table that and switch to sex and we could talk about psychedelics in our next podcast? We, why don't we do that? But I do think you had at least one sexual question related to SSRIs, something about side well, effects. Yeah. yeah. So the I can famous, tell you about that. That's interesting. <laughs> the famous side effect of SSRIs is that uh, people lose... Well, okay, here's what I think. It's interesting. I've actually never looked this up, so I'm going to say what I think the side effect is, and I'm sure you actually know what it's supposed yes. to be, and maybe you've been experienced, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, yeah, I, my understanding is that it sort of takes away your libido and also can make it harder to get an erection. Those are yeah, the, so that's, that's not exactly right. I, although yeah, I figured it wasn't. These things are always in like a kind of a constellation of things. So let me just speak of, of my experience. I'm extremely fortunate in the like, I don't, I actually don't have uh, much side effect. However, I have experienced when you first, when you haven't taken any, and so you first take it. So, I mean, I have this experience recently because I started taking it again yeah, uh, and at a higher dosage because like you have to sort of get it going. Uh, but I remember this from previously as well, like many years ago. Um, so the, uh, usually these effects go away uh, with some amount of time. They don't always. Some people get them. Anyway, the curious effects you get, of course, if you're feeling terrible, you're not going to have a high libido. So there's that. So like there there could just be that sort of sure. thing. Um, but the you can get not erectile dysfunction, but you can get the ability, the the, the situation where you can't nut, you can't come. Whoa. So you can like you basically like go on and on and on and you just can't like, it's like somehow the drug in the same way that it takes away your, well, you can imagine like, I actually think like one of the things I, I was with the psychedelic experience, orgasming, panicking, these are all situations where you kind of like go over some threshold, you kind of go over a waterfall, right? And like you psychologically like something happens that's a little bit out of your control. And I think in the same way that like it's starting to block your ability to panic, it starts to block your ability to orgasm. So it's really frustrating. You're basically like, well, I mean, it's kind of uh, cool if maybe, you want to like- Maybe it caps you know, some, sort of, some sort of, yeah, the local maximum is lowered or something. And right. So, so you can't get panicking over is, Panicking is harder and <laughs> orgasming is harder. That's right. And so, I mean, and, and I, when, I, I've, I, when I've had this experience- um, uh, not a lot, but when I've had it, uh, it makes me think of an experience that I think women sometimes have because women, it's pretty common for women to like be able to get aroused and then not get over the orgasm. Hump. Yeah. Like there's something yeah. missing there and they can't do it. So you're like, oh, this must be what's like for them. And it's pretty annoying. The, there's another thing though. 
Hold on. Which is, I, go ahead. Hold yeah. On. yeah, I mean, I've experienced that, but only when I'm doing one of my marathon days where I'm orgasming more times than is appropriate. Okay. Like, It'd be like you that. know, like maybe the fourth or fifth orgasm, it's like, uh, I could probably keep masturbating here, but this is getting to feel laborious and I'm chafing now and it's just Well, you not. can sort of see the waterfall somewhere ahead of you, but you can just never get to it. Right. You're just like, ah, oh, this is so yeah. annoying. Yeah. It's um, really discouraging. So there's there's another thing that I've experienced that also pretty much completely goes away, but I remember it, which is it discoordinates, for me at least, a little bit your orgasm. So ordinarily a guy has yeah so good yeah so ordinarily a guy has very discreet pulses you know like you'll have say between I don't, we've debated this before i'll say between five and 15 it's closer to five than 15 kind of orgasmic contractions of your prostate and everything right to, to when you orgasm um I've had the experience where like the, instead of these being like really discrete pulses, it'll feel like maybe there's like one longer one or maybe, yeah, they don't feel as coordinated. It's like it somehow messes up your body's ability to like get these really organized pulses. It doesn't really affect the pleasure, but you notice it. You're like, oh, that's weird. Like it's, it's it's coming out, but it's not pulsing out in the same way. It's like almost streaming out or something. Huh. Okay. It's not, That's it's not wild. good. It's just weird. It's just, yeah, it's, it's not good or bad. It's just sort of weird. Again, my experience is that like, especially on like this really low, much lower dose, like just none of this stuff happens. It just doesn't make any difference. Yeah. But yeah. Are there any other aspects of being on it that you dislike? I think that everybody dislikes being on some medication. You're like, oh, you know. Yeah, but do you like feel like less intensity. Like we have a mutual friend who once he started taking SSRIs, I thought he he in some ways became like <laughs> the way that he would flip out about stuff was pretty amusing. And what the the drug sort of like took that edge away a little bit. Hmm. Um yeah, I, I don't think so. I haven't really known you n- not on SSRIs, so I so I don't know, but I think he. I think he would concede the same, and it sounds like you. You, yeah, you don't notice anything similar in your behavior. I think that. I mean, I. I think that it's dose dependent. I'm sure. So, like, yeah, there's a dose you could take where that would for sure happen. I just haven't. I don't think experienced that. Hmm. Like, I've never. Like, there are people. I mean, uh, there are people that take. You know, what would that be? Sixty four times as much as what I was taking for like OCD. 64 yeah. times. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I was taking one eighth. They would take eight times. Yeah. And then even a normal adult dose is like one eighth what a, yeah, what a OCD person would take. So, I mean, there are these, you can get up to these levels that are so elevated and, and yeah, you wonder, I sort of wonder, well, what would happen to me if I t- took that level? I think I've asked a doctor that before and they're like, yeah, probably nothing. But uh, there are people that talk about like sort of it making you emotionally like not able to appreciate things emotionally like you're just like oh everything's flat like you're a little bit maybe what you'd imagine like an autistic person might be yeah so but i've not experienced that to to my knowledge yeah i mean it's a bit subjective but i don't know you're more aware of (laughs) your behavior than most people so yeah yeah all right let's talk about sex um (laughs) okay i have a couple things here before we dive into some emails and Reddit stuff. But um, let's say you were in a situation where um, you hadn't been able to have an orgasm 
for a few days and you had a brief window where you were going to be able to masturbate. What is the fastest you think you could go from zero to 60? Do I have porn or not? Excellent question. I thought about adding that in, but then I knew you would ask. Uh, sure. Yeah. You have your, you have your phone. I have my phone. Uh, I mean, I like, I think there's some old standbys that I could use. Uh, we've viewed a couple of them, I think on the podcast. Um, I think that would, did you ask me what the fastest I could go from zero to 60 was? Yeah. From like, you know, the, you, you, your window begins where you have some privacy and, Sure. Yeah. I think that uh, I I think that's numerous times in my life I've been able to take a shower that was a normal length, but right. I was able to so so that would be I guess like five to seven minutes. Yeah. Or something. And yeah. I was able to soak myself too. Like I didn't just neglect <laughs> that. Like I was so so maybe the masturbating was three to four minutes or something. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, would you be using your phone in this circumstance? I mean, yeah. the capacitance touchscreen is really annoying when your finger's wet. So you it is. Keep it one is. hand dry and the other. The phone in the shower is the worst. Like you have to yeah. like a um, <clears throat> uh, dry washcloth you can sort of have there to wipe off the screen. Because the problem is even, uh, well, if you, yeah, I mean, it's actually, like, I, I think you don't do this, right? This is like a never a thing you do. Masturbating in the shower or right. using my phone to masturbate? Both. <laughs> okay, both. Fine. So th- so maybe there's some technology here that I can... So obviously one of your hands is going to be wet because yeah. one of your hands has to be... You're, let's assume that you have like warm to hot water flowing over your body. So one of your hands has to be caressing a part of your body. Okay. Yeah. So you have this incentive to keep the other hand dry. <laughs> yes. Right? And yes. so then... So that's a problem. And then you have this thing where the screen... There's go- so you can keep... Typically in a shower, there'll be somewhere you can put the phone that's safe, that's not going to yep. just water sprayed on it. However, when the water hits your chest, say, it's going to splatter onto the phone. Yes. So yes. the trick is you also need some sort of a dry something that you can then use that free hand that you're carefully keeping dry to occasionally dry the screen. That Really, there should be a technological solution to this. <laughs> yeah, there should be. Saying it. Uh, and then... Um, and then you have to really assiduously keep that hand dry. If it does get wet, of course, you can secondary use of the dry washcloth or towel or whatever you have is yep. to dry that hand again. But one, okay. so you basically have to pick a hand that's going to be the wet hand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've dealt with this a couple times while masturbating. More times, uh, like I'll be expecting a text message that I need to respond to while I'm in the shower, and so. But yeah, I'll keep a washcloth nearby so I can dry, dry my hand off in that case. Okay. So. Okay, that time frame is similar to mine, so there's nothing interesting to discuss there. If you were, if there were, well, putting a gun to your head would meaningfully affect your ability to do this. But if you had some sort of strong incentive to uh, go from zero to orgasm as quickly as possible, and let's say that there's no, there's no pressure around it. Like, let's say that uh, somebody says, like, you know, you can try this as many times as you like over the next fifty days. Um, I, you know, so for example, one thing I think I would do is I would wait, you know, four days without masturbating or something. And then maybe I would like prepare some material. Um, and you know, in that case, I think I could get it. I wonder if I can get it down to less than two minutes. It's a little variable. I mean, yeah, like having 50 days would help because you'd have to try repeatedly to see. Yeah. What did you think you could get under three minutes or something? Two minutes. I think I can get under two. Yeah, it would depend. I, the four days would help a lot. 
Right. You have that, to be really stopped up, but probably not too stopped up. You might lose yeah. the muscle memory. <laughs> yeah. And the well, with the, the material that you save up, that's also tricky because I find that sometimes something that I think is going to work really well doesn't. Yes. It's a little, yeah, it's a little variable. There's some kind of a subconscious and, thing right. there. And if you check it too much, then it's no longer <laughs> new. And so it loses its effectiveness that way. So you need to check it enough. You need to vet the material enough for it to be probably interesting. What do you think? I have, I have a question for you though. What do you think? Uh, okay. So let's say you could do two minutes in that situation. Let's say that if they said two other variables that are possible, one is a female partner that you are familiar with who can be present and doing something. Yeah. And two is a novel female partner that you're not familiar with who can be present and doing something, but not you're not having sex with them. Let's say you're not touching them. But do you, do you think that would materially help you in each case? Um, maybe if we're on a holodeck, but in real life, I think I would be anxious about the new person. Mm. I, would, I would feel like, I don't know, that they'd be judging me or, yeah, it needs to be a situation where. What if I she, really, what if they were, what, let's say it was like you were on, uh, it was some sort of, some version of like the Mr. Beast YouTube channel where he like does these game shows yeah uh and she and you are both going to win a prize yeah we're we're mutually assured so you're uh, like look she she wants the ten thousand dollars or something and so she just you have to come in 75 seconds yeah i mean like you're literally anything you're you're basically just recreating a holodeck then but uh, sure um there's pressure though because of the money that's true but you can do it repeatedly like you said right it's not you know (laughs) right unfortunately it would have to be a new contestant woman but Like, I disappointed the last seven women. Sorry for the first seven, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, Yeah, probably. I mean, it's intuitively, it seems like that should be better. I would have to get over my, like, I don't know, shame and like want to set, want to satisfy them. But yeah, I mean, by creating the situation where they're mutually assured, like they're not judging anything. They're just there. They're just there for the biscuit as well. Yeah. Maybe that would, would be say, better. I would say that when I was, say, 17 years old, it would be less than a minute for that. For the novel woman who's encouraging me. It might have been, it would have been really fast at some yeah. age. Because it would have been so exciting to be in that situation. I would have just right. Because like, it's right. such an impossible situation to sort of even envision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, less than a minute. I'm sort of intrigued to try this with a you know that where you are what what country are you in now uh montenegro i mean this probably doesn't matter to you but like i did a little bit of searching for the various because you've been as our assiduous listeners know traveling around eastern europe sort of on the eastern side of sort of the the coast i guess the eastern adriatic is that what you'd call it like the yeah yeah you go greece yeah, go to, east there, there are five six Balkan countries? No, five okay. Balkan countries that touch the Adriatic, right? So you have, this is boring. Croatia, Bosnia, Montenegro, Albania. And then many people count Greece as a Balkan country, but Greece doesn't technically touch the Adriatic Sea. It's called something else down there. I don't know what it's okay. called. The, uh, but my point was that <laughs> a lot of these places have uh, brothels legally. Yeah. Like, have uh, you, no, you haven't well, considered that at all or like uh, discussed that with your traveling companion? Uh, I'm not quite sure how that would come up naturally in conversation with Alyssa. 
Just like, uh, hey, there are a lot of brothels here. I think we've been through this like a bit before. The thing that stops me from indulging in prostitution is not access. It's that it doesn't seem that compelling to me. I think okay. there are, we've, we've talked about things that could make it compelling, but like, I, don't li- I don't really like strip clubs, right? Like I don't like this like faked interest in me. How about, how about you go with like say $300, which is a large sum where you are. Yes. And you just say, look, I don't really like these places. Why don't you get like three women and see if they can make me have fun? Right. You guys yeah. figure it out. Make <laughs> right. this fun for me. You guys brainstorm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, I think that's what Tiger Woods did, except instead <laughs> of $300, it was 30,000 or whatever. Sure. Sure. Um, All right. Yeah. You've at least, uh, it's crossed your mind, but I, yeah, it's, it's interesting how many of those countries, uh, I mean, Germany's a, uh, notable example where like they have uh, or Germany, but yeah, like in Germany, they, I've been in a few cities in Germany where they have these, and I actually at the time didn't even think about this, but they have these enormous brothels and it's completely legal. And you're like, wow, that's, it's just, I, it's not a United States thing for the most part. I think some countries are even more liberal than that. I think Amsterdam has, I don't know what they call the nationalized healthcare system there, but for people who are, uh, disabled in some way where having sex is very difficult for them, they you can get a voucher for a sex worker to service you. Yeah, I've and seen it's been it. it's been controversial and that kind of thing, but yeah, that, yeah, I saw that's an how it works about in Amsterdam. About that in uh, Japan as well. There was some disabled guy who'd have a woman come beat him off. And I was yeah, I was thinking to myself, I guess you don't feel this way, but like honestly, if if there was some way to get a woman to come beat me off a couple times a week, like I might do that. I don't see anything. <laughs> I feel like that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it Alyssa was culturally I, acceptable. Alyssa and I did get a massage. Uh, what country were we in? I think we were in Bulgaria or Romania. Okay. And it was a Thai massage place. And it definitely felt like both of us, we, we got a couple's massage. So we were on beds next to each other. No. And <laughs> um, well, nevertheless, the masseuse, when she was doing my legs, you know, normally they'll, they'll do your thighs a bit, but there's some area below which they always stay South. Yeah. And that was just not the case in this thing. Like she got up like into the crease where like my legs connect to my groins, my groin. And yeah, like, I mean, it's just the case that like her hand brushed my scrotum like several times. And she sort of did the same thing. Like when I was on, on my back, like she like came way up, way up there. And it just felt like if I sort of like leaned over, like, how did I don't you know. Lean, aren't you lying on your back? Uh, well, when she was on my quads, yes. And when she was doing my hamstrings, I was on my stomach. Okay. okay. But uh, Alyssa reported that she like literally massaged her breasts. Nice. And, you know. Uh, did she enjoy that? Was that was that a positive experience? or? Well, I think... Her main concern was that I was going to freak out because oh, she, she had she had planned this massage, and I had made some joke about like, look, 
like, I don't know what Thai massage places are like here in Bulgaria, but I think there's some risk that this is not going to be exactly uh, above board. And she was like, no, you're being ridiculous. And so I think she was like concerned with what I would think more than anything. So this um, is, wait, so I just want to get, make sure I get the scene correct. So there were two women, two mm-hmm. beds, yep. you and your girlfriend mm-hmm. and the two women massaging you. How, were the women attractive? <sighs> not really. I didn't. Okay. Interestingly, I didn't really know at the time because the way they did it was, um, oh, sorry, another detail. It's like glory uh, they, hole massage. They asked us, they asked us to take our clothes off and mm-hmm. uh, lay face down on the bed. And so I did, but I left my underwear on. And then I remember like when she picked the towel up, she like seemed irritated that I had like left my underwear on. And then okay. she didn't ask me to take them off, but like, she, yeah, she kept like tucking them up and I was wearing boxer briefs. And so she was giving me like basically a wedgie so that she could have access to whatever she right. needed access to. Anyway, look, right. the only reason I bring, well, I brought this up because you talked about uh, getting somebody to beat you off twice a week. I like, I don't know. Alyssa and I talked about this extensively and we, we decided it was like a coin toss. Like if we had asked for something more, it could have gone very badly or they could have met the request. And we thought it was about 50, 50. I'm just not sure how to. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've, that I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I think that, uh, I, I'm not sure I feel about like certain levels of prostitution, but like happy ending massages, I think it's like a thing that probably should be legal. Yeah. I just don't see, I, I, I like, I, I don't know. That doesn't seem like, a. I mean, you can have various security measures and stuff so that the woman can't be exploited in certain ways, but you know, it's, Maybe I don't understand enough about it. Maybe when a masseuse is put in that situation, the guy just too frequently like demands sex or oral or something, so you just can't do it. So yeah, so, the power dynamic I don't know enough, is yeah. such that but there's it, some like. But but morally, I I I strongly agree with yeah. you. Like if there were setting aside the danger tangents, aspects, yes, right. if you could, could if you could guarantee safety, then yes. What, what's then there's, the problem? There's no here? health. There's no health issue, and like from the guy's perspective, I just think it would like lower violence, crime rates. I like, think guys would behave better because they just be. Be like, oh man, I just want a chick to beat me off. And they just go, yeah, do it. they have like a really stressful day at work. Exactly. I don't think I would find that more compelling than masturbating. I would. <laughs> I really like pornography. Well, they don't, there's no reason to stop you from doing that. I they don't guess. Care. You could yeah. have like an Oculus that you wear. <laughs> They're like, sir, what would you like to on your Oculus while I beat you off? Yeah. You're like, oh, I want, I want uh, this hot chick. I think I would just feel shameful. Like, it's just, it feels so I pathetic. would too. Everybody would feel shame. I just, I think that I wouldn't care that much. I'd be like, oh, well, right. this is. After the fourth time, it. it's like, oh, whatever. This is what people do. I just think that like it's, it's, um, yeah, I just think that like it's as an option offered to people. Yeah. And like, well, I also always think when I think about this topic, I always think about like the way I felt when I was like 16 or 17 years old and unable thus far to get a partner. And like, it's just this sort of deep, kind of insane need I had wasn't good. I just don't think that's good for anything in society. I think that like there are certain men who wind up doing crazy things just because yeah, their, their hormones are haywire young, young men. And I, I just think like society should have an escape valve for that. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Uh, a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was even longer. You covered a topic where a woman was complaining that she could never masturbate because her boyfriend would always find out. Actually, maybe we recorded that episode together. Do you remember that? Yes. And, he, he, and then he got like really jealous that she was masturbating and 
she said that he would check my browser history. He, he would always find out somehow. And that got me thinking about <laughs> what kind of surveillance an insane person could set up to try to know when their partner is masturbating. So, you know, my first piece of advice to that girl would be to use incognito mode in her web browser so that he can't check your history. That one's, that one's pretty obvious, but I mean, what other kinds of things, I mean, I guess he could set up a camera. It's just, uh, it's really hard to know, frankly, if a woman is masturbating, it's much easier to catch a man. Like, uh, it's like I would, there was, there've been two incidents in the last week in the United States here of, uh, people getting caught in baseball stadiums, having sex. And in both cases, like the one was a woman giving a man a blow and the other was they were, she was actually on top of him. Okay. Uh, this happens sort of frequently, right? It's not earth shattering news, but, uh, it's the man's external appendage, right? I mean, if a woman was in a baseball stadium just with a small vibrator, like nobody would notice she, she was doing it. There, there, there'd almost be no way to know. Like, so I sort of think that this could only apply to catching a man. I think that a woman, and also like what percentage of women even use porn? It's not that high. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, vibrator in her bed or wherever. Okay, so she'd have to hide the vibrator. But like, I don't think a camera would detect it because it's, it's just not obvious what she's doing. What other ways could you surveil? Like, is there some other chastity cages exist? Right. I think that was the primary. I mean, the ostensible reason was to save them from getting raped, right? Oh, I don't think chastity. I don't think they're a real thing. I think it's like a BDSM thing. I would say this though. Again, they're going to work much better on the man. Like it's pretty hard actually to envision a thing you could put on a woman that would actually stop her from sneaking a vibrator in there. Right. Like I think that I could, I'm a decent engineer. I think I could come up with a, like whatever you give me, <laughs> unless you like encase the woman's body in gelatin or something. Like I think I can, even then you could like vibrate the gelatin. I think I could come up with something that would vibrate her clitoris. It's pretty hard. I think to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. It could be like a video game made out of that. Like you have to, Come up with the, come up with the masturbatory technique, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just was sort of giggling to myself, imagining imagining the like surveillance apparatus this guy had, so that he could always know when she'd been masturbating. Like he's checks the laundry hamper to see if there's any like wetness on the panties, and like has a secret camera inside of a Kleenex box, and you know, blah blah blah. I don't know. All right, let's move on. Um, are beards adaptive? Are there any reasons for a woman to be attracted to a beard? Well, I think that it's, I mean, I, I, of course, nobody's going to know the exact answer to that, but I mean, I think that anything that's a gen, I mean, anything that's a gender that like genders people is, and like, I always think I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but like, I always find it very interesting that I find women's crotches so compelling because there's just, it's the lack of something that I'm attracted right. to, right? There's no bump. Yeah. Or like, yeah, if they're wearing, I mean, pretty much all female clothes that aren't like a dress really are designed to accentuate the lack of any sort of bulge there. That's always how they're designed. And it's extremely attractive to men, but it's funny because you're attracted to literally nothing. And so, yeah. And so I guess on some level you're attracted to women because they don't have beards. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure it's like, but like, but yeah, does it serve any purpose? I probably not. Uh, it, it's just masculine. It is masculine. 
So in what circumstances is it better to be clean shaven? Maybe if you have like a really strong jawline or something. Yeah, there are people that look better and worse with a beard or clean clean shaven. Also, say this like I've said this before, like gay porn where one of the guys has a mustache or a beard is way more repugnant to me. It's because it accentuates. Like, let's say a guy is giving a blow to another guy. I'm not going to watch that to beat off, regardless. But like, when the guy giving the blow has a beard, it's much harder for me to deal with. It's like it's just so gross. Yeah, I feel the same. I, I don't watch much gay porn, but even when I in, do, uh, they're clean shaven, right? Even in uh, heterosexual porn, I don't like it when the men. It's sort of common in MMF scenes for one of them to be bearded, and so it, which I, I'm not MFM, MMF. Yeah, typically don't like scenes that have two men that much anyway. But like when it, yeah, it's the beard and mustache make it harder. Anyway. Yeah, my guess would be in gay porn, it's good to have one of the men at least with a beard because <laughs> then whether or not the person likes a beard or clean shaven, they could just pick whichever person they want to focus on. It's really hard for me to ideate around what gay men <laughs> find compelling about gay porn. Like it's gayness is re- it's very hard. I mean, that's the thing. It's extremely hard for a straight man to understand. Yeah. Uh, on any level uh, what that's like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the reason why I was thinking about it is there are certain races that like don't have much facial hair and I don't think there's anything maladaptive about that. I don't think, yeah, I think it's basically some people look better with beards. Some people look better without, and it, there isn't like some sort of general rule. I think that generally when there's a trait that, so, so I, I think that the, I was thinking about this yesterday. I think I was walking through a university uh, which is one a really nice pastime. Well, yes. see all the ladies out there, indeed. In the summer wear, uh, and I was thinking to myself that the most so so certain human traits are everybody kind of has the same generally, like how your legs work or you know, you know the, the mo- most parts of your body, everybody's the same. Women's breasts, I think, may be the most the other way, like kind of heterogeneous. Like they clearly, there's no adaptive benefit to large or small breasts. It's just some sort of taste thing, and I I I, I derive that from the fact that like. Yeah, I mean, like you just have complete randomness there, uh, and I think this a similar thing. Yeah, I don't think that's exactly true. I think women who, I think generally breast size uh, correlates with weight, and so it can be some sort of health marker. If I mean, the, the problem is if that were true. Sure, I mean, you, you're you're basically you're basically explaining why men like large breasts. Yeah, yeah. In general, but uh, if that were really, really strongly true, just in the same way that like men, well, okay, there's a couple things. Female traits are, are I think, less selected for than male traits because, in evolutionarily speaking, like pretty much every woman is going to get pregnant. Yeah. Uh, even if you're really, really ugly, some guy will come along and impregnate you. Whereas not yep. every guy evolutionarily is going to have a kid, and so there's yep. so that so that's a, so so you you could say okay, yeah, fecundity. Like large breasts imply fecundity, and so men are attracted to that, and that's true. But that doesn't mean the small-breasted woman will not have a baby; she will. Agreed. Uh, and so it's so that's the point. It's not selected for, uh, and I think that beards are probably the same. It's like it just doesn't. It, it, I see. There's yeah. There's not a whole lot of selective pressure on there, like there would be, for example, for men to have larger muscles. That like is strongly selected for because you know prehistorically being a stronger man would matter. Right. Right. Or and and frankly being. Like your IQ, like there's some selection, probably pressure. That's why we're way smarter than chimpanzees. There was selection pressure to, to right. get people smarter and smarter. 
Yeah. And then it I all could... stopped in like 1968. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think there's some sort of, I find it confusing that there are major things that can affect how a man looks like whether or not he has chest hair or whether or not he has facial hair and whether or not women want that seems to be almost completely random. Like there's no major. Just, these are just straight. It's like labia or kind of like butt size or hair size color for women. Yeah. These are things that are not important, but, but, but all women like a man with, okay. When I say all, I mean 90 plus percent of women like a man with sort of the triangle of musculature on the shoulders yep. with a thin waist, with like abs that are defined with muscles. Like no, right. no woman finds like a fat man attractive. I mean, she could tolerate it, but it's not attractive. Okay. Right? So those are that's strongly selected for. Notwithstanding the, the dad bod craze that seems to be. The dad bod craze in my opinion is, would you agree that's primarily coming from TikTok? Yes. Okay. And in my opinion, that's just straight up because I am, I, I think I have a better than dad bod, but like I could, I could identify a little bit with it. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Dead face. There you go. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, well, anybody above a certain age is going to have a dad face. Yeah. Unfortunately. But the, uh, well, it doesn't, that is like women, there can be selective pressure for a woman to be interested in older guys. Like I think that's somewhat common, but Indeed. the, but the, dad bod thing I think is very clearly associated with just women trying to push men to only fans. It's they're just trying to make money. It's like this, the women who purport to do that. If you look at their profile and stuff, you're going to find some only fans stuff oh, most man. of the time. Okay. We need, we need a dad, dad bod aficionado to write in and volunteer to come on the show. You can duke it out with Mike on this. I, so you think that there are genuine dad bod aficionado women out there, like a significant number? I don't know exactly. Yes. And I th okay. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I think it's something like, are, are you aware of like the, the hashtag girl dad? It's no. like, Oh, there's something about someone with a daughter. Yeah. Like there's something about like watching a man be nurturing to a child that I think can be attractive to women. Yeah, I and. heard about that, but I'll tell you, like when I had my children were small and I would like go to the playground <laughs> and stuff, I, I actually paid attention to this. I was like, it's like they tell you, like, oh, when you get your wedding ring, you're going to get hit on all the time. And I didn't right, see that. Right, right. Maybe I'm just not attractive enough. And like with kids and stuff, like, no, it was not, not nothing happened like that. I would have, I, I would have been pleasant, hmm. but I had no such experiences. And I sort of went, I tried to, I was curious about that and, and, and did some amount of effort to go into situations where that could arise and it yeah. never did, which is probably huh. a commentary on my attractiveness actually. But, but like if you're saying not sure. like dad bods, you okay. I mean, you know, if you took Brad Pitt and you put him in a bar and he had a wedding ring on in one circumstance and not in the other, and it's not actually Brad Pitt, it's just somebody who's good looking. Um, what happens? I don't, I'm not sure. There yeah. may be some minimum level of attractiveness to be able to test that theory. I'm not sure. What is, by the way, what do you think the body fat percentage to be a dad bod is? Would your guess be? Yeah. Trying to figure you're it not, out now. You're not I'm meant at. to be fat. It's certainly not obese and not really even fat. There's so like 24 or 23 yeah, do doughy, I guess. I think well, that, oh, yeah. there's one other 25. thing I wanted to say about this. So yeah, my, my first thought was that it, uh, 
it implies like uh, willingness to be interested in children. Uh, and the second thing is, I think hmm. <laughs> some women, I've actually heard this uh, from friends of Alyssa's and from other people I've dated. When you see somebody, for example, on Tinder, and you know it's obvious that they're a trail runner or they're really into triathlons or they're you know they're into CrossFit, a lot of women just don't want to deal with that. They're like, look, I want to like come home and watch Netflix and eat ice cream and not feel guilty about that. Hmm. And so, in that sense, because women probably aren't as hyper focused on sexual attractiveness as as men are. It might be that they're willing to consider dad bods more and in some cases may even prefer them if they think that it implies other things about their personality. Yeah. So let me just say, I'll just quickly say the thing that I immediately thought when you brought up this, this other than the fact that it's only fans chicks just trying to yeah, get a certain age guy that has <laughs> right, some money. Right. Uh, and what I immediately thought is, well, a woman would be attracted to a dad bod because then he's safer. Like he's not going to just cheat on them all the time. Yeah. Like if you're too attractive, they're like, oh, this is, yeah, I can't, you're, yeah. So this is going to be a pain. Yeah. Basically the, right. She knows what's going to happen, especially if she's not hyper attractive. Like, yeah, th- there's, there's a significant risk there and that's probably right. Yeah, it could be. You said the same thing about the, the woman who gave her boyfriend a blowjob at any time card or something. Oh yeah, that's what that is. And yeah, you're. And then he wanted to was... he wanted to use it when they were in the middle of an argument, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which, yeah, it's like it's like what like you you if you if you believe that this card or this thing is going to last, like why would you immediately then use it? By the way, I saw a porn this morning. Yeah, because that's what I do in the morning. Yeah, as you do. <laughs> it was, and I was curious if this would. It was, I thought it was a really good one. I could, I could find it for you. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes, but the, uh, it was a woman masturbating. It's from, it's, it's, it's from a subreddit called Jack and Jill. So it's basically a man and a woman masturbating and then sort of orgasming around the same time. Okay. It was one yeah. of the top of all time, I think, or the last year for it. Anyway, the guy is beating off with his cock very close to the woman's ma- mouth. She's mm-hmm. masturbating. She says something like I'm close, which I took as believable. Although I know my past history is <laughs> to say that women shouldn't say things like that, but it it was sort of whispered in a way that didn't it wasn't porny. And then he nuts in her mouth, or like kind of yeah, in her mouth. He puts so the nut goes in her mouth, and then she orgasms, and is clearly enjoying that part of it. Like, does that sound believable to you? Like that would enhance, like you who don't like getting blows, would that like scenario be compelling to you? Like if the woman was like, look, like it amps up my orgasm, if like I. If you're coming in my mouth at the same time or around the same time, so I, you know, yeah, it would. Oh. I just that might be a way for you to enjoy uh, blowjobs more, like to have the girl masturbate and then, you know, yeah, maybe it's too complicated of a ballet that you have to orchestrate there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm meditating on this briefly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's. Easily reproducible. Why not? Because no, it's as you say. Like I think the ballet of like her being about to orgasm. Well, yeah. I mean, women 
can typically, I mean, t- a woman who yeah. is orgasmic t- typically masturbating works for her. And so yeah, she just she has can to, reliably do it and time it. Right. Huh. And so then you, yeah, you just have to, I mean, I, I have done this activity before and actually, to be honest, it's, for me, it's, it's a little bit on, it was, the porn was quite compelling uh, because I focused on the woman. However, in real life, I want more focus on me, I think, when I'm in that stage of arousal. Yeah. And so it's actually kind of annoying to me to have the woman focus on herself at yeah. that moment. But yeah. I would expect there would be something like the 69 situation where giving hmm. and receiving simultaneously makes it hard to do either very well. Well, the key is that this guy is just beating off and then sort of placing the cum into her mouth. He's, he's just shooting the cum into her mouth or whatever. Like he's not, she's not really giving him a blow. So maybe you could, fair point, you could say, oh, that's not a blow. But I, if I understand your concern correctly, like you assume women don't want a man to ejaculate in their mouth and that's part of your concern. Yeah, I guess so. Right. I guess I didn't understand that she was not giving a blow job. She was just <laughs> providing a receptacle. Which is kind of hot. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, or would be if I, if I was adequately convinced that that was something they actually wanted. Right. It might also be hard for you. Please to- save your emails crowd. I <laughs> received plenty of feedback on how I'm crazy on this topic. We might, yeah, we it might, uh, it might be difficult for you to arrange this. You'd have to have like the sleeping bag right up against her face and rubbing <laughs> yourself against the sleeping bag. No, I can, I can come reliably. I, as I discussed earlier, in in certain situations, I think within three or four minutes. Right. Yeah. You guys could do like a, a joint race. Yeah. Like a see who see who gets there first. Yeah. All right. Well, when Alyssa hears this, she can come to me with uh, judging a from request her if feedback on your conversation about threesomes. She'll be all over it. I mean, she's asking you for a threesome. So yeah, I'm already anticipating the, the follow up conversation I'm going to have with her about this. You've still just not willing to do the threesome. Uh, I'm willing to do a threesome. It's just I need to be persuaded that the downside risks are are minimized. Hmm. All right. Being in another country seems a good way to do that. Because, well, finding the third is always the challenge. And got it. When we return to the country, which we will be soon, maybe we will redouble our efforts on this front, or at least. We can uh, set up a uh, a project and and a project management thing so that I can re- report back results. I, I just don't think that finding a third is going to be as easy as she thinks it is. Has Alyssa continued to do the uh, thing that I forgot the word for, where she puts her vagina scent on her neck, or did she stop doing it? Oh yeah, uh, vaping. No, vabbing, vabbing. Right. So she stopped. I, I presume. <laughs> Okay. You should double check it on maybe, that. Maybe she's been doing it every other day, all for naught. Well, it would just show that you don't you have no idea. She'd say, Yeah, I keep doing it and you just don't notice. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Um I think we have time for one more quick topic. Uh yep. you mentioned briefly uh differences in the sex technique of circumcised versus uncircumcised gentlemen. Ah, yes. The TikTok lady who tells you to scoot. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Can you, can you refresh my memory on on what her advice was? Yeah. So 
essentially, yeah, I felt like I was being a little inarticulate when I talked about it. I think it was last week. Okay. So here's your chance. Right. So if like, if you're, if you're tightly circumcised, then your cock is sort of like a, like a plastic dildo on some level. Like it's just, there's no give in the foreskin or very limited give. Uh, and so there's an obvious thing you're going to do. You're going to put it in, take it out, put it in, take it out. Like it's just the right. sort of standard. Because that's like how a, you get the sliding stimulation on your shaft. Right. So, you know, yeah. So just like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the most basic motion. Uh, and the problem, of course, is that that's not actually that stimulating for the woman because her clit is not in her vagina for the most part. I mean, there's part of the clit that's sort of, I, I realize it has like an internal body to it and stuff like that, but like the most sensitive part is not there. So right. the way to stimulate that uh, there's something called coital alignment technique that does this but essentially it's basically you endeavor to have sex as a man such that your body's con- like your pelvises are touching the whole time yep uh so you're you kind of trap her clip between your right. pubic bones and you and, and 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 basically the technique is that you are moving your penis in her vagina but not pulling it withdrawing it all the way and my impression is that uh, that is much more stimulating for a less circumcised or uncircumcised guy because you have you he does have the foreskin that can kind of roll up over the head of his cock and stimulate it even if he withdraws it just a small amount like a couple like maybe an inch. Whereas for a circumcised guy, like there's just, unless you're somehow like stimulating her cervix or something, unless there's some deep structure in there you're able to touch with the head of your cock, like sure. Just, you, most of the stimulation is going to be at the base of your cock, which is much less stimulating, and so it's actually. And you see this in porn a lot, a lot, a lot that like guys, when they need to come, you know, do the more sort of full out and in technique. Right. Right. And so, yeah, that's basically it. So this woman calls it scooting, but what she, yeah, what she means is just that like, you're not withdrawing very far. You're just sort of keeping contact and, and, and withdrawing a very small amount and maybe withdrawing by angling your pelvis back and forth a bit. Sure. While maintaining contact. Yeah. You're, you're trying to maintain pressure on the clit. Okay. So this all makes sense. I would expect that in, with sufficiently large sample sizes that women would report sex feeling more satisfying with circumcised men, everything else being equal. With circumcised? No, with well, uncircumcised I, men. I think that's right. I think I, – I, I don't – I'm not sure there's any like actual principled research that's been done on this, but I mean I've anecdotally read that a lot of times. Huh. Uh, the women saying, yeah, like they're, they're – yeah, like their partner does things that are more stimulating. That being said – uh, I mean, this is a, I guess, a point of questioning between us that we have. Like, while the claim is made typically in the literature that something <laughs> like 30 to 50% of women can orgasm from intercourse alone, I usually think that that's specific, like, techniques that are going on. I actually think that, like, just in a typical intercourse session, the odds of the woman orgasming are under 10%. That's what I, that's what I actually think. Yeah, that's that may be right. I, I think. Hmm. I thought for you it was a hundred. It is a hundred, but okay. know, for every hundred, there's ten zeros, right? Right. <laughs> this is not you. It's not your part. Nine zeros. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because almost every woman I've talked to, and almost every woman that I've slept with is American, and so this is not a a wide enough sample. Uh, prefer or think they prefer circumcised penises. Generally, they complain that uncircumcised penises look weird, but that, again, is probably because almost all their experience is seeing circumcised penises. It's kind of funny because it's 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 ironic 
and I'm sure all of them basically would admit this if challenged on it, that they would say such a thing because there's this whole um, kind of woke, woke's too strong a word, but there's this whole kind of uh, concern around labiaplasty and shaming women for having large labia and stuff like that. Yeah. It's exactly what they would be doing. And the exact same women I'm sure would say, oh no, you should never shame a woman. And you're like, but you're basically demanding that men get a surgery yeah. to uh, fit your standard of, of attractiveness. I have seen profiles that actually request, they say, no uncircumcised men, please. I wonder if they do that because they find that it, it's, I wonder if that excludes certain demographic groups, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I don't actually know what the different odds are of being circumcised and uncircumcised, but it could be that that, that they just find that there's some ulterior motive there. It might be, but people are usually, especially in the Bay Area, are so concerned with being sensitive to that kind of stuff that they wouldn't want to virtue signal that they care about that unless... Yeah, I'm not sure. It could Who be, would... but I, I think I it's have a question. they is this like on Tinder? Penis. Yeah. This is on Tinder? Mm-hmm. That's... And have you ever... That's, that's a pretty aggressive thing to put on Tinder. I agree. It's normally women who are fantastically attractive and probably have like, you know, basically everyone on Tinder has already liked them. And so they're basically trying to set up outrageous filters because basically no matter what they do, <laughs> everyone's interested. Huh. huh. Right. Huh. Like I might say like, I prefer women to be between five, seven and five, seven and a half if I had infinite supply. Right. I, I just don't. And so I don't put up ridiculous filters. But you think that typically a woman a woman, if if you accept the premise that a woman is typically on a dating app to get a relationship and not just to get casual sex, which I think is yeah. typically the case. I agree. It's really hard to understand why a woman would filter based on that because it has nothing to do with having a good relationship with somebody. And so she's just <laughs> removing a substantial amount of the playing field for it. Yeah, I guess maybe she just figures, oh, there's a million guys out there that would all be equivalent as like a husband for me. So I'm just going to, I just need to narrow it somehow. Maybe. Right. But, but yeah, and- it's surprising to me that a woman would care that much about that. Like typically, yeah, that's not a major. And also like keep in mind that a circumcised, an uncircumcised guy could get circumcised. <laughs> right. So it's not like it's an even permanent condition. If, if, she, if, if it was a real actual long running problem for her, she could like fix him. If You're he, right. They should, she should modify what she says from, uh, circumcised men only, or show me your doctor's appointment. <laughs> or express okay. willingness to give. Yeah, but that's right. And I and, and just I, I actually think uh, as a circumcised guy myself, so I'm not shaming anything here or whatever. I'm not trying to be elitist. The uh, I think they're just making a mistake. <laughs> like I, I, I strongly suspect that actually it's it's somewhat better to have sex with an uncircumcised guy. There is data like around like uncircumcised men uh, spread uh, are more likely to transmit HIV. Apparently. But yeah. setting aside things like that. I think that's a de minimis concern in most circles. Right. Uh, like monkeypox. If you're not a right. homosexual man, it's probably not going to happen. Right. Uh, well, do you have anything else you want to offer us, Mike? No, that's it. Okay. 
Uh, that'll do it for episode 82. 82? Yeah, 82. Your mileage may vary. We famously pay $10 for any feedback we receive, so to get that cheddar, send us feedback at YMMVPod on Twitter or by email at YMMVPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Je me retiens. Non.